Hi everyone and welcome to the Effortless Weddings Podcast. My name is Heidi, I'm your host, a marriage celebrant in Melbourne, and each week I talk to a wedding industry professional about how we can help you with planning your wedding. Not anyone else's idea of a wedding, your wedding, an event that is meaningful to you. We guide you through figuring out what that means with the aim of making it all completely effortless. Today, I chat with Renata from Weddings of Distinction, who specialise in planning, styling and coordinating weddings. Offering comprehensive and informative services and solutions, they work with you to create long-lasting memories and turn your ideas into reality. With over 500 items for hire and extensive experience working across a multitude of venues, there's no question that if you want it, they can do it. Hi Renata, how are you today? Good, thank you. How are you going? Good, thank you. Can't complain too much. We are free now. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. We actually get to come into our showroom and work. It's wonderful. Yes. And it's still a relatively new showroom. Is it? Oh, sorry. I should say you're from Weddings of Distinction. Is that correct? That's correct, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a stylist planning business. We offer a few different services, but essentially we've got the decor and furniture hire component, but we also offer, you know, styling and, and design, but also planning and coordination. So a few different elements. Yeah. And I'm probably going to dive deeper into each of those soon, but yeah, the showroom's relatively new, isn't it? You only set that up not long before all Rona happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pre-Rona. So we used to be in South Melbourne um, and we were there for around uh, six years, I think. Um, and then we decided, well, we actually outgrew the space, like completely outgrew the space. And we thought to make an official move so we can, you know, display all the, you know, 750 products that we offer for hire. Um, and we found a beautiful big warehouse space in Cheltenham, which is 1500 square meters. Um, and we have converted uh, a big portion of it into the showroom. Um, we've also got our warehouse where we stock all of our additional items. So all the doubles and triples and so forth. Um, and then our offices with the conference room and the recommended um, supplier uh, section where we have, you know, cards and brochures from a whole range of suppliers that we work with and we love. So that's all another good resource for our couples as well. Yes, that's like a well-rounded experience then. They can come in and almost end up with a wedding done from start to finish. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, something, it's a bit of a unique, it's a bit of a niche in that no one really um, offers, I suppose, a one-stop shop kind of service. So you know, couples can literally come in and, and walk out with potentially their whole wedding sorted. Yeah, I love that. That makes it effortless for the customers, you might say. <laughs> <laughs> and so do you service all of Victoria that is anywhere off limits at all? Nowhere is off limits. I mean, obviously Metro Melbourne is kind of where we, we sort of focus on. Um, happy to travel to regional, essentially travel anywhere. Obviously the further we go, the, there are sort of additional fees to pay. So obviously you need to cover costs involved. Um, but no, can, we're happy to work anywhere. And how did you get into it? Like what made you want to become a wedding stylist, wedding planner, own the wedding industry pretty much? <laughs> um, look, I um, worked in a law firm for eight years of my life, pre-Weddings of Distinction. Um, in my role, I actually did a little bit of event work and developed a serious passion for it. I just loved it. I just, it was such good vibes. It just it made me happy. And 
Um, I just, you know, decided one day that I think I need to pursue, pursue that essentially and came across a business for sale, um, inquired to find out more and met with the owners. Uh, they happened to be a mother-daughter team at the time. Um, strangely enough, so are we. So it actually was quite, quite a scary moment, but we did, um, before committing to anything, we wanted to understand everything there is to know about the industry. So we did six months of training. Um, essentially, I was still working full time, but any, any weekend I had, any spare time I had, I was with them. So we would attend every setup. We'd actually help them on the day, you know, completely, you know, for the love of, of working out whether this is something we want to do. And, you know, after six months, we just said, this is definitely something we can see ourselves doing and put offer and that was almost eight years ago now. Wow. That's an amazing story. I love that. I love that it, the business got handed over from mother daughter to mother daughter, like a legacy. That's a beautiful story. Yeah. It was, it was quite a freaky moment, to be honest, when we sat there and they told us about the business, we just looked at each other. We looked at them. We thought, is this meant to be? We don't know, but clearly it was. So yeah, not looking, never looked back, never sort of thought, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? We really genuinely love what we do. Um, and you know, just taken we took it by the by the brain essentially and built it to where it is now so you know started with you know not a huge amount of stock and now kind of expanded a lot 750 <laughs> items expanded yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> so let's talk those through one by one no no let's <laughs> We'll be here for a long time. Yeah, but can we break it down into, say, niches or um, genres, themes, styles? Do you have sort of categories that you can show your yeah, customers? So we, we essentially cover a few different bases. So we don't sort of, you know, we're not sort of um, offering any niche products per se. We're, we've got a, a very broad range. So if couples want more of a rustic wedding, not a problem. We've got rustic items, arches, props, anything that they could possibly need to style a rustic wedding. Um, something a bit more glamorous, you know, things that, you know, golds and, and sparkly things. We've got, again, ranges that suit that. So it just comes down to what couples want. We pretty much have something to suit everybody. Um, in just arch range, we have around 50 pieces. So, you know, yeah, 50 pieces, 50 different arches, pretty much all different designs, styles, textures. Um, and you can judge them up with anything you want, draping, silk flowers. We don't, we don't specialize in fresh flowers. We leave it to the, to the florist. That's what they do. Um, and we respect the fact that that's, you know, their industry. So, but with um, artificial flowers, we obviously offer a range for couples who may not maybe have a budget to spend on fresh flowers. Um, and again, we have quite a broad range there. So it really comes down to just what couples want. And if we don't have something or if we don't stock something, we're usually happy to source it. Okay, that's awesome. You can cover everything. If a couple comes to you and they have a specific venue, obviously, that they've already booked, that I would imagine most of your couples have already booked a venue before they come to you, you're probably familiar with a number of them across Melbourne, so you've probably already got an idea of what suits certain venues as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those things, if we haven't worked at a particular space before, we'll do our research to make sure that we're not going in blind if that's the best way to put it, um, or we'll offer site meetings. I mean, not during Rona, clearly, but, you know, when we're allowed to, we offer site meetings, we have a look at the space, we talk to them about what their vision is, you know, essentially what they see themselves having at their wedding, and then we just work with them to, 
you know, if we've got items that we think would be suitable, you know, for their vision, we'll obviously suggest them and, you know, help create a bit of a storyboard using what we have. Um, and obviously, should we not have it, we can suggest other companies who might, or we can, you know, organise to like essentially be that, you know, that middleman and, and get it for them. So just it all comes down to, you know, if there's a venue that they like, we'll work there. It doesn't bother us at all. Before couples do come to see you, we were just saying they've generally got a venue booked. Other than, for example, a venue and a date, is there anything else you really need to know from them to to walk them through the process a bit easier? Yeah, I mean, look, venue and date is kind of the most important because, way we need to figure out if we're available to help. That's always <laughs> an important factor. Um, venue, again, so we know what kind of style or what would suit the space. Um, we also find it's really important to understand the vision. So, for example, you know, what do you have in mind for your day? So that's when we'll see, you know, someone will say, oh, I feel like I want like a, a more of a rustic vibe, you know. So we, we wouldn't suggest a gold arch for a, like a rustic wedding. So it's, we get as much or we extract as much information as we can from the initial consultation. And if there's something we need down the track that we sort of forgot to ask, we'll always come back to it and revisit and ask those questions. But definitely vision, I think that's so important. Um, one incredibly vital element when it comes to things like an outdoor ceremony is, do you have a suitable wet weather backup? Because it's Melbourne. <laughs> um, and again, that will also then lead into us suggesting certain items because should the wedding need to move indoors, you know, some items might not be suitable for indoors. So we're then, you know, happy to suggest what we can do to possibly substitute, given that there's sufficient time to do so. You know, so we, we just ask sort of relevant questions that will help us ascertain what couples want and, you know, what their is. I love that. Covering it all. And so you find that things can change over time. So, you know, yes, the venue's booked and the date's selected. They've got a little bit of a vision in mind. Then they buy the dress or the suits or the bridesmaids dresses or they start talking about flowers and then all of that comes into play as well. So things can change over time. Absolutely. And it's, it's, I mean, everything changes because a lot of the time couples book well in advance. So, you know, they might, you know, a couple might book even, you know, two years in advance and then within the year, all of a sudden everything's changed styles different you know what's happening in the market is is you know they've seen something they really love and they want to like almost sort of replicate it so we always you know we try and sort of let our couples know book the items at the beginning that you know you'll definitely need if there's something you love and you think you're never going to be able to find something that you love more than that make sure you secure it too because a lot of the pieces we have are one-offs so essentially don't book it and someone else does it's gone. Um, and then should, you know, taste change, again, subject to availability, we're always happy to be flexible. So, you know, we've had this happen before where a couple booked a gold arch, funnily enough, and then decided they wanted a timber arbor. So, you know, it was a, literally a whole reshuffle of what they had in mind. But, you know, it was available, wasn't a problem for us. We just did a swap and it was all good. Well, that's lucky. It's very likely that things will be unavailable, isn't it, if you leave it too late? And that's why we do have quite a selection. So even with, for example, our timbers, we've got around four, sorry, six different options. So if one's not available, the other might be, you know. So there are a variety of options will always be a suitable sort of substitute for something. Well, that's lucky. <laughs> You've thought about it all, <laughs> haven't you? <laughs> we covered all bases as much as we could. 
Yeah. And going back to that idea of a plan B, because as a celebrant, this is something we push quite a lot because if anything's going to be outdoors, it's going to be the ceremony. Usually the reception moves inside where there's food and stuff. So we're always thinking plan B, plan B, plan B. <laughs> How much in advance do you need to know when the plans change? So do you, are you happy to know the day before, the day of, or do you need a little bit more notice than that to change what you're bringing and how you're setting up? We, so in terms of if, um, we sort of work it this way. If there needs to be a change in items hired. So for example, if it's outdoors and a couple of two umbrellas secured with us for the day, obviously they're not gonna be able to put two large garden umbrellas inside a venue. So if we have sufficient notice pre or prior to us actually loading the vans, then we are happy to offer substitution. So if it's going indoors, for example, you know, it might be maybe add some, you know, LED candles to run the aisle or, you know, some beautiful signage that will, you know, complement the setup or something that will obviously be a suitable substitution, um, you know, for umbrellas essentially. So as long as we have at least a day's notice, which in Melbourne is a pretty good thing because usually you know a couple of days out what's going to be happening. So if a wedding's on Saturday, for example, as long as we're told sort of first thing, ideally Friday morning or even Thursday night, we're moving indoors, then we can load you know, the substitute items, alternative items. If we're told on the day, no hope, because we're already loaded, we're on the road. It's a matter of, we can set everything up bar the items that we obviously can't set up. Um, and just, you know, it comes down to, you know, what happens is if it does start raining on the day, which it has unfortunately happened many times where, you know, the forecast might say not till evening, and then all of a sudden it's like, bang, you know, we're, we're out. Um, we obviously, we take emergency contact numbers. So with every booking, we always ask for an emergency contact on the day. Um, and then we absolutely terrorize them until we get the answer. So call them straight away. What's happening? We're moving indoors. We always, one of the questions we ask when taking a booking is what is your wet weather option? So officially on our, all of our documentation, we know if it was to go indoors, where it's going. And then it's just a matter of getting that approval saying we're going indoors. Yep. So. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> With that emergency contact, do you have a preference as to who that might be? And I guess the reason I ask that is because obviously the bride doesn't have any pockets. Very few brides have pockets. Very few bridesmaids have pockets. They generally don't have their phones on them. The groom is often pretty stressed. Um, you know, if it's two grooms, you know, there's a bit, bit more options there. But, yeah, is there, like, a preferred person or someone you suggest? We always suggest that it's someone who's with the couple on the day. So we sort of, we don't, we sort of, it's a bit of common sense to an extent, you know. Obviously, you know, if the bride's, you know, if, if there's a, a bride's father involved, for example, he'll most likely have a phone on him. So, you know, he'll be the one to take the call. If, you know, the bride's there at that moment, you know, the question gets sort of asked and we get the answer we need. We have had situations before where a bridal party was nominated and it was a difficult, we couldn't get through. Um, I ended up having to call the groom directly, which I hate doing. I hate calling couple directly, um, but it was, you know, desperate times and lucky that we did because he was already told that we were going indoors. We weren't told. So it was a good call to make and it was, you know, it worked well because he was able to give us that direction and we made that happen for him. But 
yeah, it's it's we always prefer that it's someone who's with one of the the couple on the day um, because it's usually when they're getting ready that we make that call. So at that point, there's yeah. most likely going to be a phone, even if the bridesmaids have a phone because they're the ones snapping pickies of you know the hair. And, um, obviously, once they get on the road, different story. <laughs> Absolutely, that's when it's out the window. You're not getting hold of anyone yeah. once they're on the road. <laughs> <laughs> I remember one, I went to a wedding, obviously I was waiting for the, the bride to arrive and we're, it's getting late, what's going on? We should make some phone calls. And they had six bridesmaids and we had to call all six before we could get one to pick up. Oh. And it had turned out that the limo driver just didn't realise. So he went to pick up the groom and the groomsman dropped them off and he didn't realise he had to go and then pick up the bride and the bridesmaids. He was like, job oh. done. I'm going home. <laughs> yeah, so. That's awful. Yeah, but yeah, it took six calls to six different bridesmaids before we managed to get through to one. And it was so lucky that she happened to check her phone at that moment because everyone had their phones on silent. They were getting photos with the photographer not long beforehand. They were waiting for the car to arrive. So it was so lucky. But yeah, these things happen. <laughs> what happened in the end? Did they, how did they get to the wedding? So we, once we established the car's not here, we don't know what's going on. Then we called the car company and they were like, oh, we'll send out a driver right now. And we ended up starting, we were late. We were a good 45 minutes late, but it wasn't as epically bad as it could have been. So. It would have been a lot worse. Oh my gosh, that's awful. Yeah, so I would definitely support the idea of an emergency contact person who's not necessarily a member of the bridal party. <laughs> It's not a bad idea. But look, likewise, when it comes to wet weather, you know, I know we're just sort of reverting back to, you know, plan Bs. The one thing that I can sort of say is if there is, if let's say there's no plan B, there's no indoor option, there's no, we're going outside regardless. There are things that you can do to help. <laughs> I'm going to put so we offer, for example, pop-up marquees. They're just like 3.6 metre by 3.6 metre. Um, certain venues are allowed marquees, no problem, as long as they're weighted. Um, city council venues, other than um, pretty much every city council garden, other than the JFK Memorial at Treasury Gardens. Oh, apologies. No, Treasury Gardens, yeah. Oh, for a moment there. I've been out of action too long. <laughs> We're a bit rusty, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you can actually put a pop-up marquee up. So in terms of wet weather, you know, if there's no plan being indoor option, there are some venues that will allow pop-up marquees. Likewise, we've got our large garden umbrellas, which, you know, they're made of a canvas material, but are actually quite good for rain as well. Like I've been caught under torrential rain and it's been, I was fine, I was dry. Um, we also stock things like handheld umbrellas. So the clear handheld umbrellas that couples can hire. So we've kind of covered all bases, you know, if there is no plan B, there are ways to protect yourself from Melbourne. <laughs> And your guests. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So other than wet weather, though, like obviously we can get those 40-degree, just oh absolutely epically hot and humid sometimes as well. Yeah. We can get some pretty extreme humidity on occasion. Do you have any thoughts around those? Do you have options for yeah. other than the marquees and the umbrellas um, that we've already absolutely. talked about? So, again, you know, marquees, umbrellas, handheld white golf umbrellas, white parasols, so we've got, you know, in terms of the cover, we've got those. 
but we also offer drink stations. So essentially um, drinks buckets on stands, the couple provide, like they essentially provide the water. We just say, you know, the 350 ml bottles, just so there's not much wastage. Um, they can bring it to us in advance. We'll transport, like, transport it to the gardens, set everything up, happy to also buy ice on the way. So the idea is that they have drinks on site. So on those really warm days, actually anything above 23 degrees really, um, it's quite nice to offer your guests a beverage, non-alcoholic at, at the ceremony, obviously, but just something, you know, on a hot day, oh my God, there's nothing better than a cold bottle of water, especially if, you know, there are not, because a lot of the time not everyone's seated. You know, you might have, you know, 50% or less seated, everyone else is standing. So we've had a where unfortunately it was a 42 degree day. St Kilda Botanic Gardens in an open lawn where there was pretty much not much at all. Um, it, was a, it was actually a Jewish wedding, so it was a chuppah, and the couple were standing under it. It was beautiful. The groom played violin for the bride to walk down the aisle. It was stunning, but it was so hot that guests at the back were actually dropping like flies. And there was no water provided. And as much as we wanted to, rec we were recommending it, we were saying, please, consider having bottles of water, there was no water. So it was one of those things we always, you know, now after seeing that firsthand, I always tell that story because the whole, this, literally all the guests were watching as guests at the back were just bang, bang, bang on the grass. So good to tell that the story. would have been a sight to see, yeah. <laughs> it was horrible. Yeah, I've had a wedding where it was at a venue and their outdoor ceremony space is relatively enclosed um, oh. on three sides. So the, the end where the couple and the wedding party stand was the most enclosed and I had a groomsman pass out on a hot day. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and a, a guest down the back could see it was about to happen and like was yelling out. And so I stopped talking and looked across and I looked just as he went down and I was like, can we please get some water? Yeah. I am a big advocate for guest comfort, but obviously as well, also the wedding party, drink stations, yeah. amenities, sunscreen, shade, yes. all those things yeah. I think is such a good idea. And it doesn't matter. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a huge expense to be honest. And it's, you know, it's, I suppose you leave it a good taste, I suppose, in your, you know, by, by sort of, you're not just thinking about yourselves, you're also considering your guests, you're expecting them to come and celebrate with you, make sure they're comfortable, as comfortable as they can, you know, in heels, on grass, in a garden of 40, you know, 40 odd degrees, <laughs> but yeah, water is really important, shade is really important, you know, anything, it's going to be hot, unfortunately, when it's humid, it's humid, but anything to help cool people down um, is really important. Yeah, especially when you've got like elderly babies, you know, as yeah. well. I think it's really important to consider your guest comfort because a comfortable guest is a happy guest who is engaged in your in your event and celebrating with you. You don't want everyone sitting there just thinking about how hot it is or how wet and cold it is or, yeah, you want them to be there with you. And, look, but, you know, even going back onto the, onto the sort of the, I'm not going to say cold, the wet, you know, the rain, you know, we had a wedding where we were on the phone to the emergency contact pleading with them to please make a decision to go inside because we were actually standing at the gardens. We were looking up and we could see this big black cloud just coming over us. We knew 
this second it was going to start just absolutely bucketing down. And unfortunately, the bride just kept screaming, no, I'm getting married outside. I don't care. I don't care. So we set everything up. We set up the mark. They actually had marquees booked. So, but there were three marquees and not everybody was to fit under them. So we set everything up. The whole ceremony was good to go. As we finished the setup, of course, it just, oh my God, awful. Again, we started making phone calls. We're saying, unfortunately, we're already set up. Uh, you know, your last opportunity is for us to potentially take the arch, maybe the signing table and bring it indoors. And um, after, I think it took it like a little while for the, you know, the rain to sort of move across to wherever they were getting ready. I think at that point they realised they should have listened originally, moved the whole thing aside, you know, as, as suggested, but we at least managed to quickly disassemble the arch, move it across to the indoor option. They actually back up. That's the worst part. So they just chose not to use it. But we managed to salvage the arch and the signing table, but the rest of the setup got absolutely drenched. Um, and then we had to obviously pack it down whilst everything was just saturated. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's one of those things, it's just listen to advice from professionals. I think it's such an important thing. There's a reason that we, when we start saying you need to move indoors, there's usually a really good reason for it. Um, and it was actually the celebrant when she rocked up and saw that everything was still outside. She was the one who actually took the phone and said, guys, I'm backing Renata You need to decide. Yeah, because it becomes a, an OHS issue, you know. It becomes a real concern that not only are things going to get damaged, but that people could actually get sick or injured. Well, the other thing is, don't forget that the, the bridesmaids, the bride, everyone's walking in their dresses down the aisle on wet grass and then standing so you know there are so many hazards what if someone slips someone trips and it you know even with like with celebrants all your like the gear all the speakers everything it's all you know i mean that's thousands of dollars of equipment standing completely in the elements so definitely worth considering that <laughs> yes definitely and your point of being really important to listen to your suppliers is so valid because we do this pretty much every weekend in peak season, sometimes more than that as well, sometimes midweek and, and all that sort of stuff as well. So we keep on top of what, you know, what needs to happen. And we want you to have your dream day. We want it to be the greatest day of your life. So we're not asking you to move into your plan B for no reason. We, we would never ask you to do that if there was no rain coming. It's true. And that's why it's also important to have, you know, experienced professional um, you know, suppliers who really know what they're doing. Because, you know, I think over the years we've all, we've all learnt that, you know, without that experience, you, you don't know how to make those decisions appropriately. You know, it's and that's the biggest tip I can, if anybody says to me, what is the biggest tip you can give a couple planning their wedding? Make sure your suppliers are experienced. Make sure they're, you know, properly insured because at the end of the day, like, if something goes wrong, you want to make sure that your, your suppliers and vendors are all covered completely head to toe. Um, and, you know, I suppose that they're the real deal, not just, um, you know, ho hobby suppliers that may not necessarily have sufficient experience behind them to be able to, for example, make a decision about, you know, uh oh, the arch is about to fly away because it's too windy. You know, we've seen that happen too. So literally saw an arch fly. So, <laughs> Yeah. You get it on camera. <laughs> I 
I wish. Honestly, I, I would put that as like an advertisement. You know? It sounds <laughs> like something out of Mary Poppins. <laughs> it <was> like it. <laughs> so definitely, I think that's the thing. It's just, you know, looking at making sure all your suppliers are qualified, experienced, um, and know what they're doing. I think that's, that's the key. Yeah, absolutely. I believe there are quite a number of couples out there, particularly the budget conscious, who may not see the real value in the type of services that you offer. Me personally, I'm not a DIYer. I am a massive advocate for the services that you guys offer. <laughs> but not just because I'm not a DIYer, but because of other things we're talking about. You're a professional. You know, you know what you're doing. You can make decisions. You can help plan a wedding. You can help with plan Bs, all that sort of stuff. But other than those sorts of things we've covered, what else would you say to a couple who's not sure if they want to invest their budget in the type of services you offer? The biggest, and this is a really important thing because we get this a lot. The one question is, yes, I'm, I've, I've, you know, I'm a DIY bride and I've bought everything I need. Um, I've, you know, I know where I want it to go, but how am I going to make that happen on the day? So all of a sudden you've got the dilemma of, yeah, you're a DIY bride and there's nothing wrong with that. We actually offer our products for DIY hire. So if couples want us to physically attend to set up and want to you know, make a saving there, by all means, they're most welcome to come and collect stuff from us, you know, do their own setup and then obviously return it. So we, we actually are happy to, you know, to work with our couples in that sense. But the, always, the, always the question is, who's going to set it up for you on the day? Like, are you going to be sitting there getting your hair and makeup done or are you going to be putting centerpieces on the table? You know, who's going to be building the arch for you and your permit? You've got literally 45 minutes of your permit to get your setup done. Who's going to get that arch up? You know, the Royal Botanic Gardens. Who's going to walk it from gate A to Taxodium Lawn, set it up for you in time and make sure it's secured and everything is good to go for your ceremony that starts in, you know, 10 minutes. So I think it's being really mindful. It's not just about, you know, thinking, oh, you know, I don't have that extra $300 to spend on the, on the delivery, you know, set up and pack down. It's, well, how can I burden, you know, my family or my friends to do that for me on the day? They're not going to enjoy themselves because they're so worried about, you know, I've got to remember to take that arch, you know, or that, that frame home or the, you know, whatever it may be. So it's kind of tossing up, is it a worthwhile spend? So you don't have to worry. The idea is you literally rock up on your day you get married, you enjoy yourself, you go for your photos and you know that it's all going to be packed up, taken away. And then you can, you know, we even offer the service where if couples have some, you know, particular like personal effects they want to include in their day, they can actually deliver them to us. And then subject to obviously how detailed and involved it is, if it's a basic, can we place, a, you know, a, a small lantern on one of the chairs as a, you know, a, a tribute to a family member that's not there, we, we can do that. You know, let us do it. Don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. Things like I mentioned before with water, you know, drop them off to us. We'll take it to the gardens. We'll set it up. We even offer like a rubbish removal fee when you hire a, a one of our rubbish bins. You know, the idea is you don't have to worry about cleaning up after yourselves. We'll do it for you. So with I think those things, it's just important to consider that at the end of the day, how easy do you want, and sorry, how easy and flowy do you want your day to be? You know, if you want the, the burden of, you know, setting up your own wedding or packing down your own wedding or putting that burden on a family or friend, family member or friend, that's fine. But the idea is that we can do all of that for you. So, you know. Yeah, weighing up the, the worthwhile of how much time and effort and stress you'll save versus 
the money you didn't think you wanted to spend. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And a lot of venues don't, they're not going to allow you to go the day before to set up. You know, most venues may have bookings or normal dinner service or something the night before. And if it's a public space like a park or a beach, you have a permit and it's only for a set amount of time, isn't it, as well? And then, yeah, venues aren't going to let you in the day before. So that's the thing. So even more so. So again, it comes down to the limited time frame. I mean, a perfect example is a pub, any public space. You know, Council City Gardens, your permit is a four-hour permit, which in theory that's plenty of time, but, you know, you've got to, like, you're not allowed to necessarily drive into the gardens to set up unless you're a vendor like, what well, you know, like us. So things that you're, whoever is doing it for you has to literally park, imagine Fitzroy Gardens. It's, the, it's a huge, huge garden. Couples, I mean, people have to park outside and they have to schlep everything into wherever, whichever lawn you've chosen. Like that, just that process could take, you know, an hour plus. Then they've got to physically set it up so all of a sudden you've just, you know, can, like taken around an hour and a half of your minimum, you know, your four hour setup. Then you've got to allow for your guests to arrive. That's another half an hour, 45 minutes for the ceremony, half an hour, if not for photography, all of a sudden your permit ends in like, you know, 20 minutes and you've got to get all that stuff out. Good luck. You know, so it's one of those things. It's, it's being mindful of the fact that not every venue will allow you to set up, like you said, obviously in advance. Um, a lot of venues, you can't actually, you know, you, you're, it's permitted. You have to be there at your permit time. Um, so it's just, you know, it's, it's being sort of smart about how you manage, manage your day and sometimes paying that, you know, that delivery fee to get, you know, people to come in and do it for you. It's really not a bad thing. Yeah, totally worth it. Someone could gift it to you, even if you're really that budget conscious, you could say, could somebody do this as a gift? It's an option. That's a really good idea, actually. That's a really good idea. Hmm. Yeah, I'm a thinker. Oh, I'm throw throw that one in your little booklet when you give it to your couples. I don't mind. I'll share. <laughs> when a couple do come to you and they're ready to start the process, can you talk me through how it works from, from first inquiry through to wedding day? So because we offer a few different services, it really depends on which service the couple are after. So just the basic sort of hire, um, where it normally starts is, you know, couples will sort of peruse the website, look at some items, add to the wish list, share through any like an online inquiry through our website. We start by sending them back a quote, just an email quote. We don't make it formal. We try and keep it, you know, it's the starting point. You know, it's, it's just kind of getting to know, you know, what products are out there, what the general price range is. So we sort of send a very informal quote back just via email literally just listing all the items they've asked for with the price for those items. If we have, so our website form asks for information like venue, permit time, ceremony time. If that information is filled out correctly, then we can actually, and based on the items they're after, we can actually supply a delivery setup and pack down fee right there. All the time comes with like, yep, that's perfect. I want to go ahead. And it's literally, how do I book? You know, we send them a form to complete and that could be as quick as, as that. Other times it's on you, you know, obviously set, you know, provide pricing for these other items and it's a kind of a back and forth, you know, sort of process with emails until we well, essentially get a list of everything that they really, really want, you know, for their day. Um, and then it still ends up in the same process. You know, we send them the document, they fill it out and we sort of go from there. So with the higher side, it's quite a basic sort of transaction if couples know what they want. If they don't, <laughs> and if it's a, 
I don't know what I want. I, I think I know my color scheme. Can you help me? Then it's more of a send me through some of your inspo photos. Literally just jump on Pinterest or Insta, whatever you want. Send me through some screenshots. You know, when you're going through them, you'll see what your theme is. You'll know exactly because you'll see a, a common sort of denominator, whether it's, you know, the color, the peach color, or if it's, you know, you love, you know, candlelight, you'll see when you start taking screenshots of things, what you absolutely, like what you're leaning towards. So from that, we can kind of, you know, extract information and then almost suggest certain items. So it's a, it's a longer process, but we're happy to do it. We're happy to have that consultation and kind of get that, you know, that more of an idea of what they want. If it's the sort of planning and coordination side, that's where it gets a little bit tricky because it's not as simple as this is what I want, make it happen. It's let's talk in detail. So we always suggest either a face-to-face -face meeting at our showroom or a consultation where, you know, we essentially sit down and have a really good chat about what they need. Do you need a full wedding planning service or have you already organised some of this on, you know, by yourself? Um, you know, we've obviously got our diamond package, which is where we literally just do everything, take over from the, the beginning, essentially, and we secure everything for the couple. Plus, we're also on the day coordinators. So, you know, we boss people around and make it all happen. So it's great. <laughs> um, if they've already got elements organised and planned, then we don't necessarily have to charge our full fee because they've done so much already. So we custom versions of a diamond package, you know. Um, if, you know, we have a couple who say, no, nah, I don't need any planning. I just need coordinator on the day. Then we've got, you know, we've got our Ruby package or our Emerald package, which is a half day coordination. So we offer different levels of packages and we can work with, you know, everybody. But the best way forward is step one, what do you need? We talk it and then we suggest, you know, appropriate items. So all services. So I think that's kind of key. We are very much about customer service. We we want to know everything. We you know we're almost a little too much so. Like we, we, we kind of get involved before we really even need to. But there's reason for it because the more we know and understand, the more we can suggest and offer. So and we're happy to do so. We're happy to chat. Yeah, and like we were saying earlier, things change. Like if you're planning a wedding that's one year, eighteen months in advance, two years in advance, wherever it might be things change a lot over time. You change your mind, you know, a particular vendor or supplier you wanted wasn't available, a particular flower you wanted isn't available or it's not in your budget anymore. And yeah, things can change quite a bit. So it's good that you're in touch quite constantly throughout the whole process, allowing for those changes. Yeah. And look, it's one of those things, sometimes we have couples who book, you know, we have that initial consultation, we chat through everything, they'll book us in and then because their wedding is not for another year and a half, we don't really, if it's so the planning side, we'd obviously have to be in touch because we have to plan a wedding. But if it's coordination, we really don't need to do much until much closer to. And at that point, you know, we obviously put together the run sheet for the day as well. So we don't, again, we don't really need to start that until closer to the day because so much can probably change between the initial, you know, sort of, you know, engagement, as in engagement of us, to, you know, wedding day that there's just no point in, you know, others will just be constantly updating the same, you know, the document over and over again. So, yeah, so it's one of those things, just keeping in touch, making sure everyone's on the same page, um, getting all the info as much as possible. We always say, if you book some, if we're doing coordination, for example, 
we let couples know. If you've booked a supplier, just shoot us through an email and say, hey, hey, booked a photographer. These are the details. So we add it to our documents. So closer to the day, make contact and just go, hi, hi, we're here. You know, we'll be the ones there on the day. You know, you, you can obviously yell at us and we'll yell at others on your behalf. That's what we're there to do. <laughs> Well, that was going to be my next question, like a nice little segue there. For couples that aren't sure what on-the-day coordination involves, can you talk me through that? Because I feel like there's probably a lot of couples out there who ultimately they think that's the one thing I don't need. Like once everyone's booked, why would I need anyone to coordinate it? So let's explain why. (laughs) I mean, it's one of those things, coordination. So a lot of venues provide a coordinator which is great. And usually the coordinator is there to ensure that the venue is, is doing what they need to do to obviously fulfill the obligations to the couple and everything else. So they're liaising with the kitchen and making sure things are all happening, but they don't do the nitty gritty things like, you know, run through and let, you know, the next speaker know that they're going to be up in five minutes to do their speech or, you know, like it's, it's kind of being that sort of person who is answering on, or, you know, assisting sort of behind the scenes where, the reason everything is flowing so smoothly is because there's someone like, you know, actually making that happen. So an on the day coordinator, so just to give you, a, I'll sort of run through, I suppose, what we do on the day. Um, in the lead up anyway, we, like I mentioned earlier, we provide a, a run sheet um, and we work together with the couple to make sure that, you know, everything's included in there. When we do our run sheets, they are so incredibly detailed that it's a little bit scary, but we do for good reason because we want like five minute increment yes it's yes yeah Yeah. you know of course you know allowing leeways here and there but the idea behind it is if everything is included in that run sheet then nothing can be missed so as down to the part you know the part where you know removal of plates after you know main course has been served you know consumed i should say sorry so it's really important that everything's included and for good reason. So that's kind of one of the services. The idea is we, we take over the reins, we make sure that the run sheet is, you know, is good. We obviously share it with all the suppliers in advance, make sure everyone's on the same page. Um, once we've got confirmation from them, from the couple, that's then obviously made into the final run sheet for the day, which is obviously shared with, you know, everybody as the final run sheet. Um, on the day coordinator arrives at the venue, make sure that if it's, I suppose if there's a split between ceremony and reception, it starts with the ceremony. Um, you know, make sure all the vendors are on site. Everybody sets up, you know, as planned. Where's that damn celebrant? (laughs) (laughs) We obviously, you know, meet with, with all the vendors as they arrive and more, most importantly, the celebrant when it comes to ceremony, you know, we obviously you know, the whole idea is we discuss how we're going to conduct everything. So I know that you guys, you know, you're all over it, but having someone who will meet the couple sort of, you know, at the car and, you know, get them lined up and kind of, you know, give you the thumbs up for the music to start. Then we send again, having someone who just kind of does all that behind the scenes work where we're kind of, you know, we dress in all black. So we kind of disappear, you know, and the idea is that, we sort of help things run smoothly. Obviously after the ceremony, we help with family photos. So we suggest that everyone provides us with a list of who they want in every photo. And our job is to fill out those names until we get those people there <laughs> for that photo. Um, families are done, ship the couple and the um, bridal party off for their portrait photos. 
we make sure everything's packed up and we head to the reception for the next part of it. So, you know, throughout the reception, it's about making sure that the run sheet, essentially we do what the run sheet says. So, you know, like I mentioned earlier, speeches, we're there to make sure speeches are on time. One thing I always say and something that's not thought about is if something runs over, we had an example, we had a couple recently where, recently, it's been a while because clearly, you know, yeah. brain and <laughs> um, we always allocate times for speeches and we always say to couples you get 25 minutes as a maximum because you've got a lot of people to thank you want to talk about each other and get all lovey-dovey fine but parents get 10 minutes each that's it because it gets just bloody boring <laughs> yeah that's a lot of talking time like coming from someone who's a talker and even does it for a living, like I talk for half an hour or more in the ceremony, 10 minutes is a fair bit of talking time. It's definitely more than enough. Especially if there's two sets of parents who will come up right after each other. So we actually had, it was um, a couple where on the bride side, the parents were separated. They were no longer a couple. The plan was they were going to come up together and speak together on behalf of the parents of the bride, essentially. That didn't happen because first she took 10 minutes, the dad spoke and went for 15 minutes. So just the bride's parents spoke for 20, I actually thought I was going to lose my mind. In the meantime, the kitchen is waiting to serve entrees and they're like, food's getting cold, gotta go. go. I had to make the executive decision at that point to let the food come out because I mean, we can't like, you know, have the kitchen screen that the food's going to get cold. So it was my job on the day to just be like, I'm not going to go up to them, you know, and be like, guys, what do you want to do? Now get the food out. We'll make it work. What that then meant was that the parents of the groom, when they spoke, you know, that cut into the next dance set. So I had to then talk to the um, musicians and the, like, the band about how we can cut the set so it doesn't feel like it's really short and stupid because you know what three songs are going to do for life but it's working with them to make sure that we can you know have the dance floor pump and but not sacrificing anything that's going to meant to be happening after that so it's in that kind of you know that person in the background who's literally floating to every supplier you know with speeches letting photographer and videographers know there's about to be a speech get ready so it's just having someone who's doing the dirty work essentially for the you know couple or you know a nominated family member on the day so that everybody can just enjoy themselves that's what it comes down to yeah absolutely and making those last minute decisions on the fly like you said you don't want to bother the couple with that kind of stuff and i think for the couples who choose not to get coordination um, or, you know, we've I've talked before with other suppliers about friends or family members being the MC for the evening and things like that. They generally don't feel comfortable making those decisions. They don't necessarily feel confident in going up to someone and saying, hey, five minutes to your speech, bro. Like, <laughs> it's something that a paid professional has got no issues doing. You know, you just get in, like you say, and you do the dirty work. We actually had a wedding at a venue um, last year. It was a, no, sorry, earlier this year. I've lost track. I don't know what, what day it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so early this year and there was a strict finish time. Strict. We could not go over. It was like, no. 
they could lose their permit, not happening. So unfortunately the neighbors, well before the wedding was supposed to finish, were already knocking, you know, at the door screaming hysterically, you know, you're too loud, you know, turn the music down. So we're already competing with angry neighbors. And at, so the wedding had to conclude, could not go beyond 11.30. So we had to be done. And we're talking guests leaving the property at 11.30. Of course, you know, the couple were like, no, we want to keep going. We want to finish at 11.30. I'm like, no, no. So on the night, you can imagine everyone's having the best time. It's wild. The dance was going off. Everyone's like totally, you know, off their tits, literally. Yeah. <laughs> it comes to like, it's around 11 o'clock and I'm like, oh, shit. Like, I don't know how I'm going to get everyone out of here in half an hour. So I go up to the DJ. I'm like, hey, hey, 15 minutes and we've got to start clearing. Knowing full well, it's going to take me 15 minutes to wind that dance floor down. So um, DJ made an announcement, bars closing in 10. So if you want your last drinks, get your last drinks. Meanwhile, everyone's like running to the bar, then back to the dance floor. It's like, work well anyway so long story short of course you know when we announced last song everybody started roaring with no no not the last song and then of course after the last song if the whole place started screaming you know they want more 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 and I'm like, mm. and of course i'm the bad guy because i'm up there going sorry guys we can't we're not allowed so i kind of had to take the hit on that because well who else was going to so you know the Room. They were in the crowd screaming they want more. I was like, no, we can't have more. <laughs> you behave so, yourself. Yeah. So it's one of those things. It's it's kind of knowing, um, you know, like kind of when to step up and, and take take the reins, even making those really difficult decisions, you know, it's really important. And one thing I was going to say with respect to the coordination element, we also have with us a full emergency kit. So we've got, you know, a sewing kit. We've got literally everything you could possibly want in that kit. And, you know, we've had mishaps where the bride, someone stepped in the bride's dress. It was all beautifully beaded. The dance hall was covered in beads, covered in like beads. Here's me in the bathroom sewing up the bottom of the dress. So having a coordinator, that helps as well with when it comes to emergency, honestly. <laughs> Amazing. Good for you. I love that. <laughs> what a great story. <laughs> you've seen it all. You've done it all. Yeah, I could write a book. I think it'd be yeah. a really good book too. <laughs> you should. I, I would read it. I would buy it. <laughs> all right. Well, we've talked a lot about examples of weddings. So I guess where I'd like to go with that is you don't necessarily have to say this particular wedding was the best wedding I've ever done, but even examples of elements that you think make for the best wedding advice to couples to make sure they can have their best wedding. It's really hard because I, like if you say to me, what's the best, what's, you know, your best wedding ever, I'd say mine. Like, and, <laughs> and that's actually what you want. You want every couple to you know, genuinely have the best time and have the best wedding. And I think that's so important. And I think, you know, it's so, like, I think one of the vital things is to make your wedding your own. Nobody wants a stale, generic, boring wedding. Add your own elements into it. Make it something personal about yourselves. Make your, make your guests feel like they're actually at your wedding. 
you know, and uh, like it's one of those things of, you know, even if it's, you know, something like, you know, whether it's a bombardier that's a bit more personalized, you know, something that represents you guys have, like I had a monogram at my wedding that I had like literally plastered everywhere. And the idea behind it was, it was like, it was our, it was our thing. The idea was it made it personal. It made it, it wasn't like just a generic setup. It was actually something where, you know, it was us involved, you know, and even things like, um, you know, like even like with ceremonies, it's so nice, you know, to hear like a couple's story and not just you know, have, you know, again, the you know generic, you know, welcome to blah, blah's wedding, you know, and that, I've get, you know, there are ceremonies where it's legals only and usually it's quite simple and that's what the couple want and that's fine. But if you have the opportunity to tell your story, it is so nice to hear that story, you know, such a beautiful element of the day that you sort of get to know how the couple met, you know, how their you know, relationship developed. So I think personalization is such a huge element of making, you know, a wedding the best wedding. So, you know, really important and, you know, sort of also, you know, going on to what I was saying earlier about consideration of your guests, you know, make sure you, you think about, you know, if you were attending your wedding, and if it's a hot day, what would you like to see there? Or if it's, you know, potentially going to rain, have a few stands of clear umbrellas ready just in case it kicks off. But it's just kind of put yourself in your guest shoes and then you kind of know what kind of wedding you should have. Yeah, that's all very good advice. Yeah. But personalization is so important because I think we've all been to a cookie cutter wedding or we've all been to a wedding where we're not engaged, we're not into it. And you don't want your guests sitting there thinking, when does the bar open? Like they're the things we really don't want to see. So yeah. What's the finish time? Yeah. That's the worst thing you can get asked. Do you know what time it finishes? <sighs> Yeah, you want the situation where they're screaming for more as opposed to, oh, when is this over? As much as like we keep saying, do you do you, it's your day, do whatever makes you happy, do what's within your budget, etc. But at the same time, as professionals who've been doing this for a while, these are the things we've noticed can make a really big difference. So I think for some of our listeners, some of these points are going to become not redundant because they're not redundant, but for some of our listeners, these points are going to be heard over several episodes. Like that's one of the reasons I was kind of laughing as you were talking as well. I'm like, yeah, we've had photographers, celebrants, entertainers, all saying the same stuff. Make it personal, trust your suppliers, invest in good suppliers. All that stuff is all becoming very much a theme of this podcast. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's great that we're all saying the same thing. I think it's great. Like yeah. we're all on the same page at least. <laughs> united, united front. Like I said, we've We've got products that range from, you know, quite expensive items to very cost-effective items. So, and you're not going to look at it and go, oh, that looks like cheap shit. That's not what we do. The whole idea is everything will look like it should without compromising, you know, the quality. But it's one of those things that's, you know, okay, well, if you can't afford three pieces of silk flowers, why don't you just consider two for the top corner instead of, you know, the three? Or you know, like instead of, you know, a corner piece, do like a posy on the side. So there are so many ways you can, you know, create different scenes on a budget. So it's working with couples and making sure that we meet, um, well, essentially, you know, all their limitations if, if there are limitations. 
Yeah, that's right. There's ways around it. Absolutely. And what I'm going to say might be a little bit controversial here. (laughs) But for me, I think it comes down to the size of the wedding a lot of the time. Like if you're inviting 50 guests compared to 250 guests, obviously that's going to cost you a lot more. So if your budget regardless is $15,000, $20,000, just to throw a figure out there, you are going to be very limited on what you can spend that $20,000 on if you invite 200 people. Whereas if you invite 50 people, even 80 people or 100, you've got a lot more range of where you can spend that money. So it's controversial, but I'm all about invite the people closest to you and then make it beautiful is my personal thing. Do you know, I think the issue is a lot of people still like, um, I have an example at the moment where I'm working with a couple and they have a, quite a big family, but then there are also, you know, certain cultures that you, you know, it's, you have to invite people for certain reasons, you know, like, but completely transparent. So my background is Jewish Russian. Um, my husband is Greek. So when it comes to how big was your wedding? <laughs> Two hundred people, which actually was quite reserved because uh, the, the original invite was around two seventy. So it was a thing because obviously you know we work every other time of year. So in winter, our winter, a lot of people went away. So lost a lot of people and I was like okay I'm happy to have 200 instead of 220 but what we found was because of just the way our cultures are you can't invite those who are directly close to you we have to invite oh this person has been in my life since I was a little kid you know they knew my dad at one point in their lives or they knew so all of a sudden the list went from being just the immediates which could have probably been 100 people wedding and it because we had to invite people that we we had to invite simple so i think you know sometimes it's kind of knowing again what your limitations are if you know that you can only afford a 50 people wedding then have a 50 people wedding you know what i mean it's i mean it's one of those things and i know it's hard because you're like but i what if they get upset well are they going to pay entirely for themselves to attend your wedding probably not so, you know, do a difficult thing and just kind of make that decision and stick to it. So I agree. Weddings, you know, you're sort of spread out more. So if you if you don't have a big budget to accommodate a big wedding, well, then you're going to have a pretty skimpy wedding. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. And you're 100% right. Cultural considerations, family considerations. There probably is still a few people out there with obligations or feeling as though they have obligations um, and all of that's got to be considered but where you can scale it back on guest numbers means you can afford the dress you want the arbor that you want the photographer that you want like the list goes on on where you can spend that extra cash if you don't want to invite your third cousin twice removed exactly if you have the ability the opportunity to cull your guest list i would say do it (laughs) And that's true, you can potentially, you know, put whatever extra money you have, put it towards like a bigger honeymoon or put it towards, you know, if you want to have cocktails at your wedding. Okay, so splurge on cocktails. There are so many things you can do if you really want to. Like I had at mine, 
Um, we decided to do like a, a cognac station at the end of the night. Oh, love that. Like a signature drink is amazing. Yeah, it was yeah. just, like we did cognacs and cigars and champagne and chocolate coated strawberries and macarons. So, you know, that was kind of the, we're not, to, we chose not to do bombonieres at the table. Like, I mean, guests need more useless sort of presence was my opinion. So what would they enjoy? A nice cognac, possibly a cigar, some, you know, nice champagne. It was just about kind of ticking boxes where they could enjoy it right there and there. And I think that's, you know, that was sort of, you know, my consideration. Do I spend on Bombonieri, which everyone's probably going to leave on the table? Or do I really kind of go all out and let them indulge in something really luxurious on the night? So clearly I went with, the, with that option. I love that idea too, because as we were talking about before with the wedding that you had with the very, very strict finish time, whether it's a strict finish time or not, that's still a beautiful way to end the night, to kind of get everyone to start winding down and thinking about going home without being pushy. Like it's just a nice way to close it off. I actually think that's a really beautiful idea. It makes for like a whole journey. And I don't love the word journey, but it does. It makes for a whole journey of the day. It has a clear yeah. finish. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Another really good way to end the night is, and it always works, is either a farewell circle or like, you know, arch where everyone can't be it. Exactly. Because it forces everybody to get off the dance floor at some point. Music has stopped. You've had your farewell. So it's kind of a nice ending where it's not just kind of like music's finished. See ya, everyone. So I feel like it's always really nice just to kind of have that beautiful soft ending, whichever way you want to do it. But I like, yeah, it's definitely, you know, a way to kind of finish up really nicely. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I suppose on the flip side of the best wedding conversation, we should probably talk about the worst wedding. Now, you don't have to give an example of your worst wedding, but even ideas or, you know, things that can damage a wedding or put a dampener on the day, particularly for the couple, also for guests. But yeah, have you come across anything where you just, you constantly saying to your couples, don't do that? Yeah. Um, believe it or not, reverting back to wet weather. Yeah. Nothing worse than pleading and begging and saying, please go inside. You've got the backup option and they don't and it pisses down raining and everybody gets drowned out. We had a couple, the bride was like, it was so torrential. It was so torrential that they couldn't even get to the, like they had to hide under the building. And then only when they, like, we ended up having to just, just do it. They actually walked out in the rain holding umbrellas, bridesmaids dresses. There were this beautiful satin, um, almost like a terracotta sort of colour. They were dark brown by the end of it because they were just wet. Bride was, her hair was, like, stuck to her head because it was so saturated. Um, groom was holding an umbrella over her head and halfway through the ceremony lent it and it went all over her. It was just one of those things, like... It was beautiful and it was so, it was still very special, but there were so many things that could have been avoided had they gone indoors. Having said that, those things, you know, it's the best memory, you know, I know that on the day, it just ruined my dress, ruined my face, ruined my hair, everything. Yeah. But, you know, we, like I asked, I spoke to um, them like not long after when they got their video and they said, you know what, even though it was on the day, it was so crap and it was like weather was awful we still got married we still had a beautiful day and the video and photos were amazing amazing 
because everybody huddled around them to hold umbrellas. So to try and kind of, you know, protect them from the elements. So it was still beautiful. So I always say, you know, worst weddings are only bad when you don't plan, you know, plan properly for them. So things like weather, always have a wet weather plan, always. And don't be scared to use it. There's a reason you've planned for it. Things like professional suppliers. If you don't hire people who know what they're doing, expect that you won't have a, a, a wedding, of, you know, an according, well, things, things will go, go wrong. Yeah, things are going to shit, yeah. Expect that you're not going to be, it's not going to be perfect. So, you know, like I said, I saw an arch fly. I actually saw an arch fall just before the ceremony was about to start. And the poor celebrant, we were literally about to drive off and she's waving at us like this, like arch we did everything else for the setup but we of course we're not going to let the arch you know lighter on the floor so we jumped out we had seven bags in the van we just took them out and we just did whatever we could to secure it so it's one of those things that you know there's a reason people are doing what they're doing and specialize in their fields that's why you have professionals and experienced people um so also i've seen you know in terms of you know I wouldn't say this are DIY weddings, but weddings that are not at a venue in particular, that sort of a space could be a backyard or whatever it may be. Again, you know, there are no protocols of like protocols in place, you know, if, if things were to go wrong. So if there's not enough alcohol, who's gonna go get more if everyone's, you know, pissed? drinking. Yeah. yeah. If everyone drinks and no one's driving to the bottle. <laughs> We've ha- I've actually had that experience at a venue where it was actually a venue, so it wasn't a private property, it was a venue, but they, um, couples provide their own alcohol for the space and obviously then the bar serve it. And this particular wedding, the, the um, wedding party, or actually were, the whole family was from WA. So they flew to Melbourne to have their wedding here. So it's kind of like a destination wedding. And it was beautiful that there was just nowhere near enough alcohol. And of course, it's like, oh, I need to go get more. Here's my credit card, Renata. Can you go to the shops and get some alcohol? And he's me going, who's going to coordinate your wedding? Just put it out there. So it's, it's one of those things. It's like, you know, plan ahead. You're better to over-purchase than under. You can take things back. Dan Murphy accepts, you know, refund. Like, I mean, accept products back and they give refunds. It's fine. So, it's kind of, you know, um, you know, plan appropriately, make sure you've got all your plan B, C's and D's in place. Um, and as long as you do, you'll be fine. Yeah. And I think that hiring the professionals, but then trusting in the professionals, again, it's a theme throughout this podcast for sure. Our, our listeners are going to be like, you're saying it again, Heidi. Um, Shut up. <laughs> yeah. Say it again. I'm going to do it. <laughs> Yeah. We, we do seem to constantly be sort of saying like the more you try to control, the more stressed you get. Whereas so much happens that's out of your control. You can't control it. You can't necessarily preempt that these things were going to happen, but your suppliers and your vendors either can, or they can certainly handle the stuff that comes up out of the blue as well in a way that only experience can bring, you know, like, yeah, once you let go and trust in us, we can, you won't even know something went wrong. We can make things yeah. happen smooth. And that's the beautiful part that you don't want anybody to know that something went wrong. And that's, you know, with so many weddings we've coordinated where things, things go wrong at every wedding, 
but nobody knows they've gone wrong because it's been handled behind the scenes. So not even a couple know that something's wrong. So, you know, things going behind like schedule, for example, with like I mentioned the speeches, nobody knew that there was a problem. They thought it was always that the food was going to come out during this, you know, like it was the way it was all sort of handled, you know, we caught up because the band knocked off two songs. So instead of a 45 minute set, it was like, you know, closer to like a 30, 38 or so minute set. So it actually worked out well, but no one really felt, no one really felt it because it was kind of really smoothly handled in the background. And I think that's the key. Whereas, you know, I've seen a wedding where I was, I was actually a guest at a wedding for the first time in a very long time. I was watching and I could see everything kind of falling. I could see all the problems behind the scenes. And I just said, I turned on like, oh, do I get involved and help or do I just shut up and be a guest? And the thing is that they didn't have a coordinator. Um, they, they didn't plan for speeches going over the kitchen. It just kind of everything happened. The band weren't told that they were coming up. The photographer wasn't in place when the speeches started. And here's me sitting there going, what a disaster. Yeah. And knowing you can help as well. Yeah. So it's kind of one of those things. It's just like you said, having faith that there's someone there to kind of help with everything. And even with respect, like we're talking about ceremonies, for example, you know, ceremony coordination, it's such an inexpensive exercise, but it's the same deal. You know, most couples don't know when do I, when do I walk down the aisle? Like, you know, when, when do I go? Like, how am I going to know when to go? What if, like, what if I miss my cue and I end up, you know, I, the song finishes, what's going to happen? I don't want to walk down. So it's always really interesting. You know, it's kind of like, well, that's why you can get a coordinator or you do a rehearsal with your celebrant and you run through it properly, properly. But even then, you know, like I do a lot of rehearsals and then you get there on the day and you're shitting yourself like, or you're super excited one way or another emotions are running pretty high, whatever emotion it is you're feeling and you forget or you don't hear it or you don't see it. And that's totally fine. Like you're there to enjoy your day, but yeah, having a coordinator that you can trust in to give you those prompts is really handy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess that's pretty much it for my questions. So unless you have anything else you'd like to add or that you'd like to talk about or anything in particular you'd like to promote or let couples know is available, we can just touch on whatever you'd like. I've pretty much covered sort of what we offer as a business. And, you know, the one thing we can say is even if someone wants to just chat for advice, you know, you know, we, we are so across, like you mentioned when we sort of started the chat, you know, we're so across so many venues because we've been doing this for so long and we've worked at so many different spaces. So we find a lot of people will just sort of call and go, hey, can I just pick your brain? You know, we want to get married, you know, city garden venue, what do you recommend? You know, so always happy to chat and if we can be of assistance you know it's a five ten minute phone call that we're happy to take um at the end of the day like i said we're, we're quite knowledgeable in our field so if someone's interested in not you know finding something out happy to answer questions and obviously if we can then further assist with you know higher side or coordination or planning whatever it may be you know it's just an added bonus so um, that's, you know, kind of, you know, the base there. I was going to say, even, you know, with everything happening with, you know, Corona and how it's, you know, at the, mm, all the fun stuff, you know, we're making sure that we're, you know, we're, we're as safe as we can be in those circumstances. So even things like showroom visits, we've got, you know, our QR code set up 
you know, got all zhuzhi and designed a pink one, which was fun. Uh, yes, I was very excited. So the idea is, you know, you know, register you yourselves when you come in, come and have a look at the showroom. You don't need to touch anything. You don't need to even talk to me if you don't want to. <laughs> but like, come and have a look around. We're obviously being really, you know, cautious and safe at the moment with everything going on. So, you know, if, if it's just a matter of kind of getting a bit of an idea of what you might want on your day, make an appointment, come see us, have a chat, have a look. You know, um, even on the, you know, kind of, you know, we've got our Corona or um, COVID safe plan um, in respect to sort of what's going to happen going forward. So, you know, things like wiping down literally everything, um, you know, the, pretty much, you know, what we have to do to be compliant and safe. And we're even offering a bit of a COVID safe station. So for hire. Um, so couples want, you know, they don't want to worry, again, don't want to worry about it themselves. You know, we've got, it's a little station which essentially has hand sanitizer, um, antibacterial wipes, a small bin, um, a little sign that says, you know, help yourself, keep 1.5 metres away from each other, wear a mask, don't seat hop. So the whole idea is, it's like a little reminder, yeah, we're living in a pretty shitty world at the moment, so take note of it, but here's a bit of there's something for you to sort of, you know, get you through the, the ceremony or whatever it may be. So. I love that idea of like a COVID station at the ceremony because at the moment I'm sort of taking on that housekeeping role as the celebrant where I'm either supplying that stuff as well or I'm saying to guests, no seat hopping, 1.5 metres apart, keep your masks on, all that sort of stuff. So, and so, you know, not all couples are really stoked about that having to be included in their ceremony. They're not really happy that someone has to stand up there and say that to all their guests and, and put a negative on the start of their day. So just a quiet little station is a really nice yeah. little touch. I like that. It just makes sense. We were just racking our brains thinking, how do we incorporate this? And, you know, it's, it's a minimal fee. It's literally just to sort of cover the costs of everything. It's kind of a way like, you know, literally it's like a little butler's tray with everything on it. Um, and then, you know, if couples want to actually provide, you know, even, you know, personalised masks, for example, which I feel like could be the next sort of trend, you know, respect to what's happening, it can be placed on that, you know, on that same butler's tray so that people, again, who maybe forgot their mask or, you know, want to want a cool one, but resent, you know, something that the couple have sort of provided with their, you know, monogram or photo or whatever it may be, you know, it's really cute, yeah. <laughs> that is... Because I could ask, you know, what do you see as some of the emerging trends or even how the industry is changing and evolving? And a lot of, like, one of the big things that's influencing our industry is obviously COVID. You've just answered yeah. that question. Personalised masks, like you've got your yeah. bonbonieri, your safe, COVID safe. Imagine yeah. the photos of everyone, like a group photo of everybody wearing those masks. Exactly. How cute would that be? So that's what, you know, it's one of those things we kind of, you know, even like things like, you know, with water bottles, like I was mentioning before in terms of like having drink stations, you know, again, it's, you know, you can personalise those water bottles. You can kind of, there are so many things you can do to, you know, and then it's just a matter of kind of working out with the water bottles. Obviously, you don't want people touching, you know, each other, you know, it's kind of working out how do we, you know, potentially, you know, can you cool them down and have them in a bucket of ice where, Everyone has to put, sort of put their hands in, or do you just, you know, say, sorry, guys, it's not going to be cold, cold water, but just sort of line them up so everyone can just grab one. So there's kind of all these different things that we all need to sort of consider, but I really think the whole personalised mask thing could be a really big thing. 
Yeah, I ne- I never thought of it. I've seen some businesses get branded face masks, but yes, I never yes. thought of it as like a wedding thing, like something the couple would provide. That guys who heard it here first. <laughs> it was oh, Renata's yeah. idea from Weddings of Distinction. She gets full credit. <laughs> I'll take the credit. Yeah. <laughs> Do you see that at any wedding now? Any couples, you're going to be like, did you listen to the Effortless Weddings mm-hmm. podcast? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, oh, Renata, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you tonight. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. It's been great. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Loved, you know, this is what I do. So talking about it is just second nature. So thank you for having me. As always, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Effortless Weddings podcast. Give the Instagram at Effortless Weddings a follow. This is where I promote upcoming episodes and also ask you for your feedback on who you want to hear from, what information you need to know and what areas you might need a hand with. If you happen to have some positive things to say and might like to help encourage others to join the tribe, give us a little review on your preferred podcast streaming service. And to keep hearing more great wedding advice from some of the best the industry has to offer, hit subscribe and get notified each week as new episodes drop. Once again, my name is Heidi and if you have any questions, ideas for an episode or even want to share your wedding planning stories, feel free to contact me. All of my links and information will be listed in the episode description. Thanks again for listening. Keep doing happy dances and remember that life is always better when sprinkled with cheesy love stuff.